Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Good morning. This morning we are going to be starting a three-part series called Progress. And we're going to be talking today about the past. Next week we'll be talking about the present and then In two weeks, we'll be talking about the future. So if you want to know about the future, come in two weeks and we'll tell you all about it. But this morning, we're going to talk about our Genesis logo. We're going to talk about Lightning McQueen and the movie Cars. Driving training classes. They don't have those like they used to. And then whatever floats your boat. Okay, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. You know, the Bible begins with people in a garden at peace there's a river and there's a tree there's actually a lot of trees but there is one tree that is called the the tree of life and then there's the other tree the knowledge of good and evil and we know about that story and we'll talk about it a little bit more but it also ends in a place where there are rivers there is peace where there is no more tears in the book of Revelation. And there is another tree that is the healing of the nations. And our logo, the Genesis logo, has had a tree. And it has always been the idea of God has given us a tree of life. And we end with this tree of the healing of the nations that God is actually bringing to fruition what he began so long ago. And that's why if you were ever wondering, and yes, Sam, this morning I was just wondering, why do we have a tree for our logo? That is why, bless you. One time we were in Mexico and we were laying cement for the Sojourner's Mission House where we stay at many times when we go down there. And as we were laying the cement, the cement wasn't yet dry. And so they wanted us to put something in the cement for them. And so they said, oh, we need to put something in the cement before it dries. And so I suggested, well, how about a tree? And they said, no, we want something biblical. And I was like, ah. 
So they drew a dove, you know, because of course a dove or a cross. But the tree of life is really central to the message of what is taking place. And it is in our logo and it is biblical, just so that you guys know. I just wanted to get that out of the way. And if we were doing a movie, the movie of the scripture would begin probably with a tree and it would actually end with a tree. And this is a journey of the progress that is taking place in between these trees. And that's where we find ourselves. But it's been said that those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. And it's important for us to look at the past. We want to look at it in a human perspective. We want to look at it in a personal perspective. And we also want to look at it at the church and the church perspective so that we understand where we have come from so that we don't forget and aren't doomed to make the same kind of mistakes that maybe we have made in the past. I love watching my grandson play. And right now, his favorite thing to do is play with cars. And his favorite car is Lightning McQueen. And he has about 20 Lightning McQueen cars because they have one for every scenario. They have one for when he's racing. They have one for when he's in the desert. They have one for when he's dreaming. I didn't know Lightning McQueen dreamed, but he has a, a car for all those. But what I love is how he'll get on the floor and he'll roll the cars past. And for me, it's deja vu because my kids used to do exactly the same thing, but they would do it with trains. It was a different era back then, right? There was a new Lightning McQueen, but they would lay on the ground and they would roll the cars past them. And I see him doing that and it's a flashback for me of when my kids were small, but now it's my grandson. And seeing this, it's kind of fun to watch because it gives me a chance to remember something that has happened. And I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird, to the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given you every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. We hear, see here that God has created these things and the crowning 
glory of God's creation is humanity. It says that we were created in his image. It says that God created him, male and female, he created them. God has made us in his image. And if we are going to go back in the past and look, we have to start here. We have to find our identity as God first intended it. It's interesting in chapter two, as you go a little bit further in verse 17 or verse, um, excuse me, where am I? Chapter two, verse 18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. You see, our journey starts in relationship, in relationship with God and relationship with one another. This is where it starts. Everything that happens after this point has its root in God's intention for humanity that it bears his image. That is what you and I were designed for. And we see the completion of this design in the community of male and female, he created them. It is not something that we do by ourselves. It is something that we do collectively. We do together. And it's important for us to understand that because as we move from here, our identity will always be found in God's intentional design for man. And that was to have relationship with him and to be in relationship with one another. Now we know things go south, right? The next chapter. And we're, we, we can't ignore that. Things aren't as they should be. And we are aware of that. And have you ever done something and made the same mistake over and over again? When I was in high school, they used to have driver's training classes. Do they still have driver's training classes? They don't anymore. Ah, the good old days. Driver's training classes, it was a fun period because you'd go and just talk about learning how to drive, right? And when you're in high school, it's like, that's the holy grail. When you get your driver's license, you can go anywhere, right? You're free. I mean, it's amazing. When you get your driver's license, you don't have just the ability to drive to the store and pick up you know, groceries for mom. You could drive to San Francisco and do whatever you want, right? I mean, it gives you, of course, mom doesn't let you. But anyway, you have the freedom to be able to drive. And so this holy grail. And and I remember having my driver's training class. You would actually then get in a car that they provided with the school that had the steering wheel on each side and it had a brake pedal on each side, right? Because they don't trust you that much, you know? And so then I would get in the car and then my instructing teacher would be over there and then he would tell me what to do and he would kind of grade me. There was one place on Citrus Avenue in Covina where the lanes close and it is a right turn only lane. And he would say, okay, I want you to go straight. And I'd be going straight. And then all of a sudden I was in the right hand only lane. And he goes, okay, you have to turn right. So we turn right and I'd circle around. And I did this three times in a row. And you see, my logic was, well, I'm waiting for him to tell me to change lanes. If he didn't tell me to change lanes, then I'm going to stay in this lane. But then he would tell me, I want you to go straight. And going straight meant I had to turn right again. 
And I felt like I made that same mistake over and over again. In Genesis chapter 3, we find that mistake. Now, it's always been called or known as the fall, even though the words the fall take place nowhere in the chapter. I think more accurately, we should call it the choice. Because that's really what we see happening here. And if you're still in Genesis, turn to chapter 3. Starting at verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Here we see that there was a choice given and a choice made. You can go straight or you can make this turn. You see, there was the freedom to choose and they didn't just have the choice between two trees. They had the choice between all these trees and then the one tree. And then what we see here is this serpent comes into play into the scene And there's a deception. And you see, the deception wasn't that they would be like God. The deception was actually the denial that they already were like God. See, they were created in his image, but they did not recognize the image. And the deception was, you are missing out on something. Oh, they are not God. We are not God, but we are created in his image. And you see, the lie wasn't that you are like God. It was that you are not really like God now. The deception was you are less than what you really think you are. And they wanted to be more than what they really were but they didn't understand that they were already created in God's image. And the choice that they made was one that was self-centered to live a life that was less than what God intended them to make and to live. And I found that this is the mistake that humanity makes over and over Again, this is the mistake that I make over and over again, that I have been given by God his image and the possibility to live an incredibly fruitful life that benefits 
all of creation, but I choose to live a life that is self-centered and selfish. I choose to live a life less than God's intention, not more. But it's always this, well, I want something for myself that I think I'm missing and I end up giving up what I really need. And this is the constant problem that we have in humanity. And if we are going to learn anything from our past, it needs to come to this point where we make a decision to choose what we want over the identity that God has given us because we think that what we want will give us more than what God has already given us. And you will never be able to find more for yourself than what God has planned for you. And that's the deception. And that's the lie. And that's the mistake that we humans make over and over again. Thinking that we can get more, we end up settling for so much less. And if we are going to learn something, let's learn it here. Because this is where sin comes into play. And this idea of sin, I I think we need to to develop a definition. I went through this in our leadership series, but I want to go through it with you here this morning of the idea of what sin is. For a definition, a theologian named Cornelius Plantage Jr. in his book, Engaging God's Word, he puts it like this. Sin is the culpable disturbance of shalom. Sin is the culpable disturbance of shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, wholeness, health, the blessing. Shalom is the harmony God intends for the world. Shalom is how God wants things to be. Shalom is peace with yourself, with your neighbor, with the earth, with God. Disturbance. Things are not how they're supposed to be, are they? Aren't we aware of that? Aren't we so aware of that? Everything from environmental degradation to domestic violence to to Wall Street corruption, uh, the petty little things that we say to disrespect each other. The world isn't everything that it could and should be. That's the disturbance and the culpable That's the guilt. That's the responsibility. That's the ownership that we need to have. Culpable is any way you have contributed to the disturbance of shalom that we see all around us. You see, anything is sin is anything that we do that disrupts the peace and harmony God desires for the world and for us. And the lesson that was taught in Genesis chapter 3 is the lesson we are still learning today. We still disrupt the peace that God intends and we have to own it if we're going to get past it. It's important that we own our condition. Otherwise, we'll never become who we were meant to be. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 5. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call, not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
He's come to call us to own our disruption, to say, I am a part of this mess. I am contributing to the problem that God is wanting to solve. And I need to recognize that. I need to take that ownership of it. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Because owning it means taking the responsibility for it. And recognizing that if Christ has called those who are sick, which is me, which is you, those of us who are sinners, who have broken the peace of God, then what we need to do is recognize what he is doing for us and desires to do through us. In Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 22, Paul says, Put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created in what? The likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And you see, the whole intention of Jesus was to restore our identity to the likeness of God. That's why he came That's why he died. That's why he lives and gives us life that is now like his, that restores us to God's intention for us. And so we need to put off these old ways, these desires, this selfish way of living, this wanting more, but really accepting less and to accept what God has given us through Christ and return. After all, we are created in the likeness of God, and that's the true righteousness and holiness that he's called us to. See, this is where the past, if we will learn from the lessons, is leading us to. Ownership of our fault and acceptance of what Christ gives us and that is back our identity. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Peter says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. That's an interesting term there. You grow up into salvation. It's not something you just get. You grow up into it. It's a growth process that's taking place. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In verse four, he says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, speaking of Jesus, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected 
has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. This is speaking of Israel's place and position in their plan for Christ to come. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The intention for God is that we be again a people. From the very beginning, God's plan was for people, not just one person. It's not good for man to be alone. And then it was for a tribe. It was for the tribe that God has established through the nation, the development of who God was going to bring the kingdom about through. You see, Abraham became Abram, Israel became Jacob, Cephas became Peter, Paul became Saul. There is a change that takes place as God introduces himself into the lives of these people that now changes the lives of the people that he's brought into. And all the way into the book of Revelation, when God addresses the churches, which is now where we are at. It's still a people. It's still a group of people. And his admonition in the first chapters, in chapter 3 and 4 of Revelation, is to him who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches, because God is still working, and God is still wanting to use his people to bring all people to knowledge of himself. To make us aware of God's intention for all of us. Because humanity is living unaware that they were created in the image of God. And they're still believing a lie that there is something for them in an identity that is apart from the identity God has intended for us. A couple of weeks ago, a friend came who, who visits us. She still considers this her church, even though she lives in Victorville. It's kind of funny. A lot of people consider Genesis their church, but they can't come here all the time. Some of us come even though, you know, they're far away. I mean, some from Highland and other places, you still call Genesis your church, and that's great. Well, she came down a couple of weeks because she had to tell me something that had happened. Uh, a friend of hers who she's close to and a friend who I know from years ago, a gentleman some of you may know, his name is Robert Beeks. I hadn't seen Robert in probably seven years or so, but she came and said, Robert, who had a kidney transplant once and had it suffered some problems and had another transplant because the kidney that he had been given started to fail. So they gave him another transplant, another kidney, but his body started rejecting that kidney and he got a very serious infection where he was hospitalized and he went into a coma and he was near death for about a week. In fact, the doctors gave him like a 3% chance to get out of this, uh, 
serious condition that he was in. And so they were telling the family, it doesn't look good. We don't think he's going to make it. This affection has taken over. His brain has affected. His whole body is now rejecting this new kidney and it doesn't look good. And so the family had gathered together and they're surrounding Robert and they're praying over him. And after a week's time, he started to come out of it. And when he came out of it, he was speaking to Pam who was his ex-wife, and talking with her. And he started kind of coming out of it. And he had the tube and ventilation tube in his throat so he couldn't talk. And they took the tube out, but you're still not allowed to talk. And you still can't talk after you have a tube in your throat. I guess that's what happens, right? So he's coming out of it, but he's trying to communicate to her. And so he can't. And so he's taking a, a, a pen and he's writing on paper and he says, a boat. I was on a boat. She's like, what? I was on a boat with Pastor Sam. And she's like, what? A boat with Pastor Sam? I hadn't seen Robert in, in seven years. And what am I doing on a boat with him? So I figure if I'm in his dreams, I should go see him in person, right? So I go to talk with Robert and now he's able to talk and he's able to communicate. And what was happening is as he was in this state and he was near death, he saw a boat and he saw a person on the boat and he thought it was me. But then as the boat came closer, it turned out to be, it was actually Jesus. And Jesus told him, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. And so he, he had this assurance that Jesus told him it was going to be okay. And at first, Jesus looked like me. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> but you see, the truth is we are supposed to look like Jesus. See, the truth is we are the ones who bear his image. We are the ones who are made in his image image and the lie is that you are less it's not that you can have something more you have more than you realize if you would understand whose image you were created in you see the lie wasn't you will be like god you were already created to be like god in his image the lie was that it was not enough when it really was and that's still the lie that there is more that can be had outside of what god is able to give us the Truth is, we just haven't tapped in to all that God has to give us. When I was sitting there and I was talking to Robert, I just wanted to listen. You know, so many times pastors go in and they think that they have something to share. You know, I got to give these people something because they're in the hospital and I'm a pastor and so I'm supposed to give them. But I just wanted to listen because sometimes the best thing you can give someone is the opportunity to share what has happened. And I went in there and I just asked him, what have you learned in this time that you've been here? And he says, I've learned to trust God no matter what, to not make little things into big things because everything is a little thing compared to God who is a big thing. And that preaches all by itself. And to realize how important people are to me. Those were the things that he came away with in his experience 
near death. I want to close in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul says, don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders of God's ways had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. This is the message translation. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. If we are going to learn anything from our past, Let us learn that we who were once alienated, estranged from God, especially us as Gentiles, weren't part of the the promises, didn't know about the covenants, had no understanding of where the law was pointing us to. We have been brought into, now we are in on everything. We get our image restored The promise was told, the promise was fulfilled in Christ, and now we get the benefits. If we are going to learn anything from our past, it is that the image of God has been restored in us because of Christ, and now let us walk in that image. You do not lack anything. Don't let anyone deceive you and lie to you saying that there is more to be had out of your life than the image you were created in. Instead, take hold of all that is yours in Christ because it is enough. It is more than enough. Reclaim what has been lost and don't make the same mistake over and over again. Hold on to this truth that you can now walk in relationship with a God who loves you and in relationship with one another. Because this is good news. And the past is pointing us to what God's intention is for our future. But that's to be talked about at another time. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would recognize what it means to be created in your image. That it has to do with character. It has to do with loving, with giving being generous, being compassionate, being merciful. That bearing your image doesn't mean we have all power and all authority. It means we get to share in your humility. And in that humility, we find your glory. I pray that all of us here this morning would see the deception that has plagued humanity, has plagued us, and has even plagued the church. 
and the deception, Lord, that tells us that we are insufficient, that we need something outside of you to make us whole. And help us to recognize it is the relationship with you and it is the relationship with one another where your image shines in us. And Father, may people see you in us. May your image be so clear that when they think of you, they also think of us. May our image be so like yours that we begin to look more and more like you. I pray that for us as a community. I pray that for your church and for your people all over the world. Lord, spark something in us that is contagious that others would want to see and be like us because we look like you. Let's stand together. And now may you see the light that you were created in God's image and Christ has come to give you that image again. May you not believe the lie that you lack anything apart from what God has given you. And may you walk forward in his image and bear it well. Live for him. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.